0: Uh, so I got his memo, but it was kind of unclear on it when, that he sent out, and it's like, hey, let's support the good guys in the big game this weekend, and so I immediately thought IU Ohio State last night, right? <laughs> so, it's nice to have a couple cupcakes in the season. Just joking, just joke. I'm just joking, we're not that good, uh, Anyway, uh, I also had this thought, and I've talked to this a couple times, I'm like, if I wear a Bengals shirt, like after not wearing one ever, and they lose, that's all on me, and so I'm not. I'm not carrying that. But speaking of the Bengals, so I heard this story about Joe Burrow this week. And, you know, you saw all the stuff about Burrowhead and and what one of the players had said. And so he was talking to to somebody about it, and he's like, you know what? You know, I'm a confident guy, and we're going to win, but uh, I kind of want to reach out to the Kansas City fans a little bit. And so he had just renovated his basement in his house to be this amazing game viewing experience with like a a giant TVs and and like stadium seating and everything. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna invite every Kansas City fan in the area or anyone that wants to come to watch the game for free in my basement. And so he did that, and he sent out the, the invites and you know, people are coming today and all that stuff. And one of the other players said, Joe you know, why are you doing this? Like, it's nice to to reach out and everything, but come on, like, this is kind of weird. And he's like, you know what? Really, the the truth of it is, I've just always wanted to know what it's like to have a wine cellar. (laughs) There we go. Okay. See, I had a picture in my head of, do I have to spill wine? Like, are they going to get it? But that's okay. Okay. So, we are continuing the series of firm foundations, and we're talking about our foundation of faith and everything that goes into that and everything that that God has set out before us and called us to be and called us to do. And so it's such a cool series to start the year with because in the world it can be so hard to be a Christian, not just because of everything around us but because we get so caught up in everything else. And so it's so important to look to Jesus, to look to our faith, to look to who we can be. And so I've been going through Romans and I'm going to continue that today And I'm going to go to Romans chapter 6, verses 4 through 18. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin, and since we died with Christ, we know we will still also live with him. Uh, We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So... When Paul is talking about this, when he's writing this, he feels this story so much. Because Jesus literally changed his life. More than just the conversion, more than just helping him to to be a minister, to to be a a disciple. He showed him where he was wrong and what he was doing. And Paul had lived a lot of his life, a portion of his life at least, uh, going by a checklist and vilifying anybody who was different than him, and going against anybody who who was against him, and he was literally against Jesus. And then on that road to Damascus, uh, Jesus was there, and he confronted him not just with uh, everything that, that Jesus could offer, but with what Paul had done, and so Paul saw that, and he felt it, and so it's so important, and it just pours through him in his writings, and especially in Romans, how he wants us to get it. He wants us to see Jesus. He wants us to know him, to know that we can be like him, And it's so important to realize that on that road, the old Paul died. And he talks about this a lot. And then this new being existed. Not not that he was all of a sudden free from temptation and, and never messed up. But that he now saw that there was more. More than his selfish desires. More than the world. More than what he'd done before. And he saw Jesus. And so as he's writing this, the Greek word that he uses for baptism is, let me get this right... Uh, is to immerse or overwhelm something. And so, yes, by water, as we know baptism, but also by the love of Jesus, by the grace of God, by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, it, it, it he... Uh, connects us not just to each other but to Jesus and he helps us to go forward and he guides us and there's different things in the Bible that talk about when we pray the Holy Spirit kind of translates for us because you know when you pray sometimes we're so emotional or we don't exactly know what we're praying for we don't know what we're saying or or everything's going crazy and the Spirit is there to help us and Paul is just pouring this out now growing up in a church and I've been in a church since I was two years old my great-grandmother made sure I was there And I've noticed over the years uh, that that churches, and capital C Church, we tend to have uh, two different views of sin, kind of, that are almost opposing. And so on the one hand, uh, the devil is often given too much credit. Like people will talk about him as if he's omnipotent, as if he is an equal to Jesus. He's not. Like God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is everywhere. And and so we, we sometimes use that as an excuse and we use that as something when human nature on its own is rough. And the other, the other is we often give sin too little credit because we think of the big sins or the visible sins of other people because it's so easy to see when somebody else is messing up. It's so easy to see when somebody else goes off of our checklist or when somebody else uh, doesn't believe or think or, or do what we think. And so that can lead to us comparing, and it can lead to us forgetting everything about the grace of God. You see, Jesus, and I've talked about this a lot, Jesus died on the cross for everyone. And he died for us at our worst, and he died for the sinners. And we sometimes forget that, and we get caught up in the club mentality at times. But because of that death, because of that grace, it enables us to be free. It enables us to have a different life. It enables us to learn, like Paul. But human nature is still there. And so it's always going to be easier to notice in others, to, to see the specks in others, as Jesus said. Because with visible sins, they're visible. That's why they're called visible sins. Otherwise, they'd be called invisible. You see how that works. And so we notice that, and we see that. And that leads to a comparison mentality. And, and sometimes that hurt, it hurts us both ways. But sometimes it hurts us where we see somebody. And they just shine so brightly. And they do so much for the Lord. And they just seem to to just have love everywhere. And it's like, I'm never going to be that. You can think of people in your past, uh, strong Christians, people who have helped you in your faith. And it's like, I'm just, I'm never going to do that. And so, unfortunately, sometimes we stop trying. But then on the other hand, and this is what makes it a teeter-totter mentality. I don't know if you guys know what teeter-totters are. I think by the age, most of you guys should know what those are. I still remember in school when we had those, now they don't, which is kind of sad because they're kind of fun. Also, it's kind of stupid that the whole idea, anyway, anyway, we have that mindset. We have that mindset. And so on the other hand, it's like, oh, that person, they messed up. It's so easy to be better than them. I don't have to try hard, and that, I just have to be better than them. And we have this minimum line mentality sometimes that goes with the teeter-totter mindset. And We waver back and forth depending on who we meet. And we waver back and forth from, oh, sin is so easy to avoid. Or sin is too hard. And it goes over and over and over again. And it can be so hard. And I have a quote from Billy Graham. Sin is the second most powerful force in the universe. For it sent Jesus to the cross. Only one force is greater. The love of God. Now when I read that, I felt, ugh. Like, the, the first part of it. I read that, and I was like, ah, I don't like that. Like, like, to talk about sin being powerful and the second most powerful, how can that be true? But then we look at the world. And we look at the history, and we look at hatred, and we look at anger, and we look at everything that, that drags us down. And we realize that, that it does, because we're human, because the world is, is difficult and hard and hateful sometimes. And it's so easy to allow our hearts to harden to others. And it's so easy to think, well, their sin is worse than mine, and it's so easy to see the visible, and it's so easy to get caught up in that first part, that it's like, oh, wow. And maybe more so now than ever, because of social media, because of everything, we have this, this chance, unfortunately, to live in a bubble where we can cut away everybody who is different than us, everybody who disagrees, everybody who has a different idea, and just fill our lives, just follow people, just watch the news that that suits us, just follow people that agree with us. And so we have that. My voice kind of cracked, so that's weird. Nobody noticed but me, that's fine. But we have that bubble, and that leads to this feeling that, oh, well, this is the way the entire world is. And so we live in that bubble, and then we go out. And it's not like that. And so that can be scary, and then that scare can lead to anger, and that anger can lead to hatred. And we see again how sin can just sneak in. Because once we harden our hearts, we we again start to compare, and we live in that bubble. And so often it's, look at them. Us versus them. Look at them. And so we justify the anger. And sometimes... Anger can be righteous. We can see awful injustices. But to act on that, to hold that, to live with that, that's where it gets bad. And so we cling to that, and we see that, and that anger, that leads to hatred. And that hatred, it leads to acting on that, and over and over again, and it goes, and it goes, and it goes. But as much as I don't like that first part, that second part, That second part is absolutely true, because nothing, nothing is greater than the love of God. Nothing is greater than Jesus, and Paul talks about how he defeated even death, and our sins may have sent him there, but he won. He has victory, and he gives us this victory, and it's our choice, and I challenged you last week to read through the whole Bible, so I assume that you have. And I'm thinking in my mailbox back in the back, there'll be reports over like a summary of each book, and that's cool. I'll read them and I'll edit them because I'm still a proofreader at heart. But if you read through it, you see that he wins. That Jesus' love is all that there is at the end. That, That his grace is all that there is at the end. That that is the side to choose, that he is who we can be like. And as Paul said, we are unified together with him. Once we make that choice, we are unified together with him, but it's still a daily choice. And so as powerful as one side is, his is more so. And, and Sean read or quoted Jeremiah 29/11, "We find such hope." in the love of God. And he has plans for our future. All we have to do is look at him. All we have to do is admit that we need help. All we have to do is say, I want to be like him. So we are renewed by him, by his sacrifice. And we have a chance to be like him. That's what it's about. That's why we are at church. The the worship is awesome. And, And my jokes are okay. But we're here to help each other be more like Jesus. We're here to learn what that means. We're here to grow. We're here to do better. We're here to refresh ourselves. So we go out in a world that is different, that is difficult, that is hard. And we shine with that brightness. We shine with that love. We let our hearts not be hardened, but softened, I guess. And we love him and we show that love. I want to go to verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. With his grace, with his sacrifice, we have freedom. But because of free will, it's a freedom to choose. And I said, I've talked a couple weeks ago, I forget which service. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. But we can still choose to turn away from it. And there are people that do that. And we should feel that. We should hear that. And not think, ah, I can't stand those people that turned away from it. But instead think, i got to show them. I've got to show them what this means, what this love means. I've got to love them. I've got to hope for them. I've got to pray for them. And sometimes things are going awesome. We're living through life and it's really fun and the Bengals are doing well and and we're not struggling with anything and everything doing awesome. But then we get hit with a temptation. And maybe it's a temptation of something from our past or a reminder of something, somewhere where we've messed up or we've done something wrong. I've said this before, but I have this weird memory where I can be in bed at like four o'clock and remember every single thing that I've ever done. I'm talking back to preschool. I remember knocking over these blocks while I was walking around and I felt so stupid and I still do and it's so weird that that drags at me. But we have that sometimes and we get reminded of that and it takes us out of everything And, and We start to feel guilty because of the temptation. Here's the thing. Temptation is not sin. You cannot stop a bird from landing on your head. But you can keep it from building a nest there. And so you can't stop that temptation, that initial thought, but you can move on from it. And in fact, instead of being ashamed of the temptation it can be a reminder of what he did for us what he delivered us from how he helps us how he helps us to have a better life a different life a new life it would be so amazing if once we were saved then boom no reminders of our past no temptations no problems and and this place would be filled every place would be filled but that's not how it works Life is struggle, and because of that, it's a daily choice. It's a daily growth towards him. Now imagine for a second Paul preaching this, and he's talking about being dead to sin, and he's talking about all of these things in our past, and somebody in the crowd, and I would all but guarantee this happened at different times. Somebody in the crowd said, yeah, dead to sin. My friend's dead because of you. Because Paul's past, it was there. And people would remember that. And so they would probably remind him of that. And so he very easily could have been like, I'm never going to get past this. I'm just never going to be who I want to be because people keep reminding me. And and, and I'm never going to to be okay because he has no argument because he did those things. I spoke to a friend last week. I got my W-2 because it's tax season. Woo! And When I first joined full-time ministry, uh, I was not very tax-wise, we will say. And so, as a a clergy, um, they don't necessarily take taxes out unless you make sure that happens. And so, in seven years, I built up quite the debt. Because I'm thinking, oh, you know, you just pay it back little by little. It's fine. It's like a car payment. It's not like a car payment. But now since I came here, like, like Pam knows way more than me and so I listened to her and so she's helped me and I have things taken out and all that stuff and that's it's not about my taxes. The point is, even though I know that things are in order now and I don't have that debt and, and I'll get a refund, a refund, and, and all of that, I still have that dread and so my W-2 has just been sitting there next to my computer. There's literally no reason for me to not do it, but I feel that dread because I remember what it felt like to have that debt. I remember what it felt like to live that past, and sin can be that way. We can be doing well, we can be doing good, we can be loving other people, and then we're reminded of something, and we feel that dread, and it's like, oh, I'm not there. Well, let me relieve you of something. You're never going to be there on earth, but you can keep going forward. And the the sin, the past, the negatives of our past that drag us down. Jesus died on the cross so that uh, instead of those ending us, they help us to learn. They help us to grow. They help us to move forward. They help us to know that we're freed by grace. And that is such an amazing thing. And it's still a daily walk. And the daily part is important because, again, teeter-totter mentality and living in a bubble and all of these things that we can get tricked into. And Paul mentions the parts of the body, and you you think of the heart, the heart that makes everything run, and the heart which can be filled with love or it can be filled with hatred, the heart which is so important to not let it harden to other people, and the mind, the mind which can be filled of ways to serve him, filled of ways to, to be creative, to do good, or it can be filled of ways to get revenge. It can be filled of ways to cut people out. It can be filled of ways to hurt other people because you've been hurt. Or the mouth. It can shout grace to God. It can say encouraging things. It can talk to people about love and about grace and about faith and about how your life has changed. Or it can shout out insults and anger. And the hands, which can be the hands of Jesus, Or they can type out little negative, angry comments. Or you can use your thumbs, I guess, to text them. But it's always a choice, and it's always for us. And back to the bubble for just a second. When we live in that, it allows us this justification. It allows us to vilify others. It it allows us to have a, quote-unquote, helpful hatred. And judging, justifying, and we cling to that sometimes. And so I have a quote from C.S. Lewis, shocking, I know. It does not matter how small the sins are. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft, underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. I don't have that up there to scare you, but to remind us, to remind us that what we say, what we type, how we treat other people, what we think of other people, that matters. It matters, and we can justify something, and we can justify it and justify it and justify it. And again, anger and all this stuff. I used to love politics. In college, I got a minor in political science, which means I'm a professional. Also very lucrative, like English. And so I used to love politics, but as I grew, as the world changed, as the capital C church changed, I saw that people would get involved with a party, whichever one. And it would start with, you know what? This is my party. I'm going to vote with them. They're closest to me. Their platform's what I think, mostly. And then it would become, over time, oh, well, you know what? I know that, that I don't like this candidate, but it's my party, so i got to do it. And then it would become, whoa, that person is against my candidate or that person is against my party, so they're not great. And then it became from not great to, ah, they're the bad guys. Then it came from the bad guys to, I've got to convince them. Then it came from, I've got to convince them to, I don't like them. Then it went from, I don't like them to, I hate them. And it became so entrenched that I dread elections now. And I can't even watch this stuff. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. And how we get so caught up in this. And it leads to such anger and hatred. And we can see. We think of David. And we can all remember, not remember literally, but we know the story. On the roof where he saw Bathsheba, well, his, his life going the wrong way didn't start there. It was a gradual road that began with him believing his own hype. And then it probably went to, you know what, I am the king, and then God is still above me, but I'm next. And it went, and it went, and went, until he started justifying everything. And he started going to the part where he could even justify murder. And again, this is not me saying, and it's not CS saying, we're friends, so I can call him that. Uh, You're not perfect, I'm not perfect, so you're irredeemable, irredeemable. In fact, it's the opposite. It's okay, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. Let's show that to people. Not go out and brag about your, your struggles and everything But remember those as you're hoping for others, as you're showing grace to others, as you learn, as you give your heart to him, you learn the importance of apologizing when you mess up, not doubling down, of being more like him, not less, not more like a party, not more like a news, not more like a whatever in the world, of being more like him. Going to the last scripture, last part of the scripture, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, uh, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to a righteous living. Knowing that there is forgiveness. Knowing that there's hope. Knowing that there's a better life. All of that is so important and so vital. And it's not just for us. It's to show other people there can be a better way. Showing them who he is and why we live like this. Showing them what love really means. What grace really means. And there's always the question sometimes. Always, sometimes, whatever. There's the question from some people who... Well, wait, so you can be forgiven for anything? That's what grace means? So does that mean I can just go do whatever I want and then ask for forgiveness and boom? It's a dangerous game, though. And I'm not just talking about life and time and all of this stuff. I'm talking about the fact that the more you live with that mindset, the more your heart hardens to the idea of grace. And eventually, you stop wanting to ask. Jesus once talked about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit as the only unforgivable sin. That's him showing how amazing he is, how clever he is, because we oft, sometimes we worry about what that means. But what it means is if you keep hearing the Spirit say, ask for forgiveness, and you keep saying no, then you're never going to ask for forgiveness, and thus it's unforgivable. See how that works? Because we get caught up in our own way. Uh, I saw a conversation post thing once, meme, I don't know. I'm way older than I pretend to be. Uh, but I saw it once, and it was about uh, health insurance and, and all this stuff. And, and the point was, there was this person who had health insurance, and it was pretty good, and this person who didn't have it at all. And he's like, well, I don't have health insurance. You know, I don't, I don't need it. And he's like, well, but, you know, I can go to the hospital if I'm sick or if I get hurt. And, and the other guy's like, wait. So what's stopping you from just going and and like jumping off of a building or or hurting yourself or breaking your own leg uh, if you have insurance and they'll pay for it? And he's like, dude, so the only reason you don't fall down the stairs on purpose is because you don't have insurance? And we sometimes look at grace that way. See, I tied it. Grace is not a license to do whatever you want. It's a freedom from having to do that. It's a freedom of knowing that God will love you no matter what, that God sees your heart no matter what, that your past is your past. And the world may remember it, but he sees you, and he sees who you can be, and he sees who you are, and he helps you, and he loves you. And it's so amazing. And Paul here is expanding on on what Jesus said, on the idea where Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. And Jesus was specifically talking about God and money. But it works for everything. Paul says, you know, you're a slave to whatever you obey. Well, not being able to serve two masters. That includes ourselves. And it includes politics. And it includes even loved ones. It doesn't mean that you can't be involved in anything. It doesn't mean you can't have friends. It doesn't mean you can't do whatever is good as having a job and all that stuff. It means. Jesus is up here, and you see him first, and everything else you see through the lens of that, and you see through the lens of that grace, of that love, you see him, and you live for him, and so you are, I am a Jesus follower first, I am like him first, and everything else comes secondary, and he's not saying, and Jesus wasn't saying, that the law is bad, But following a checklist instead of living by grace is so dangerous. Not just because of the way it makes us look at other people, because if they go off the checklist, then boom. But also, Mike Tyson once said, oh, didn't expect to hear Mike Tyson in a sermon. Mike Tyson once said, because people said, hey, you know, they have a plan to fight you. And he's like, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Well, if you live by a checklist then what do you do in a situation where that checklist is off the table? You get punched in the mouth. Grace gives us this chance, this freedom to have a faith that that lives by him. Love God, love others, follow him, live like him. Grace is what's bigger than sin. God's love is what's bigger than sin. It allows us to love him, to serve him freely, fully loving, fully growing, fully faithful. Last quote. The disciple living by grace rather than law has undergone a decisive conversion, a turning from mistrust to trust. The foremost characteristic of living by grace is trust in the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. With a checklist, you trust in that checklist. But living by grace, you trust in Jesus. And I gotta tell you, He is so much more worthy. And he can do so much more with us and through us and for us. And he can do so much more in the world. And the key word in that quote to me is the redeeming work. Redeeming. Because as long as there is life, there is hope. And as long as you are alive, you have a chance to be better. And as long as anyone is alive, they have a chance to choose better, to be more like him, to see him, to feel him. And so it's so important that we show that, that we live that. And Jesus wants us to succeed. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to be with him. He wants us. And so he's called us to go out into the world and be like him, to show him our faith, to show them our faith, to show them him. To recognize that all have sinned and fallen short. But that when we turn to him, his grace saves us. And we can learn from that and we can grow from that. And we can help others see that. We can help others know, you know what, I struggle with this. Or I struggled with this. Or this was going on. Instead of, hey, you need to be perfect. Because you're not going to be. But... We can be like Jesus because he has called us to be like him and he would never call us to something without also equipping us. And so whatever you face, wherever you go, whatever you're dealing with, he is with you. So show that. Let that be the cornerstone of your faith, that grace, that love, that freedom from sin. Not just the ones you notice in other and others. But with that hardened heart, with that anger, with that hatred, give it all to him. And he will help you have a future and a hope. That's all I got.